Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, we were in chapter 10 last night, and I'm going to pick up in chapter 11, beginning in verse number one uh, in the session today, and uh, take a, a line from what Jesus taught here, give the interpretation, and then move right into application for us this morning. And thank you for coming by the table. We've enjoyed your stories, your testimonies, and just learning a little bit about you, and it's good to see several of you that we've known over the years. It's amazing to see how your children have grown up in some cases, and uh, it's just been a blessing to be here. Chapter 11, verse 1, and it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. I wanna draw the theme of the message and the title from verse number three where Jesus taught them to pray, give us day by day our daily bread. And I wanna talk about day by day today. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to speak with the ladies. I pray that you'll please take what's been said already and cause it to be a long-term help. And then, Lord, take what's going to be said now. Please control my mind, my thoughts, my lips. Give me clarity of thought and speech. I know the ladies have been sitting, and maybe many of them did not get a, a long night's sleep last night. They have things to do when they get home today later on. But I pray for these moments, your spirit would fill both speaker and listener and capture our attention and help us to concentrate on something from your book. May you help me please is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. I am positive that not a, a number of you follow sports. I have not watched any kind of sports since March, April of 2020 now for a little over a year and a half. And I'm, I'm just done with people who, who just bash America using it to make billion, millions and millions of dollars. I'm done with that nonsense. But let me use a sports illustration to start the talk this morning, okay? Uh, it may be called a, sport, a sports cliche or coach speak, but what I am referring to, particularly when it comes to baseball, is what a player or a manager says to a reporter. The reporter is interviewing them, you know, concerning the season, and in particular, maybe their hopes of making the postseason playoffs where baseball is right now. And so the reporter says to the manager, Ricky, so far you've had a great season and now the playoffs are in view. How do you approach the next month in light of how important these upcoming games are? And the manager replies, well, Jim, we're very pleased with how the season has progressed thus far. The players are giving their all. They come to work every day ready to play. The reporter well, in the next two weeks, you're gonna play four of the best teams in the league. How do you prepare for that kind of schedule? And the manager replies, we play one game at a time. That's what they say. We play one game at a time. And ladies, it's more than a cliche. It's more than coach speak. Because, you know, managers, you know, can make plans and they can put personnel in place and they can develop a rotation of players decided on well in advance with all the analytics to back up their decisions and it can be written out, written out in great detail. But in the end, baseball in particular is played one game at a time, day by day. 
And that is just a small thing compared to the truth that our lives, which are far more important than baseball games, our lives are lived day by day. That's how we live life. We get the matter of our eternal destiny settled. And let me just say, I hope that's settled with you. I hope that your testimony of salvation is more than just, well, my mom told me, or you know, I had this experience. I hope there's been a time when you had a head-on collision with the Holy Spirit who brought conviction to your heart and you faced the fact that you're a sinner and you cannot get yourself to heaven and without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there's nothing else to depend on and you wholeheartedly trust in what Christ did to save you and you made that decision to trust him. I hope you've had that, 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 that kind of run on, head-on collision with the Holy Ghost and are born again and truthfully, if you're not, then don't leave today without talking to somebody about that. Get that settled. Once we get that settled, our eternal, our eternal destiny is, is settled, all done, taken care of by the Lord Jesus Christ. We really set out on a course, ladies, of living our lives day by day, one day at a time. Now, this is a familiar text to you, and it concerns that great request that one of the disciples made to Jesus when they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They never asked him to teach us to preach, but they did ask him to teach us to pray. Charles Spurgeon, R.A. Torrey, one of those men said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Think about that. And so this disciple had it right. He came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so in response to that, Jesus gave the disciples what we know as the model prayer. Some people refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, more or less, over in John 17. This is the model prayer. This is an example of prayer, okay? And one of the elements that, uh, that, prayer, that, that prayer is supposed to include is the request for daily bread. You see that in verse number three. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now, let me break that down, giving the interpretation of it. Daily bread. What is Jesus referring to with the words daily bread? In those words is the request for all things necessary to sustain life. Lord, give it food, drink, clothing, lodging, safety. That's what's included in those words daily bread. Give us day by day our sustenance for living. And then the, the, the pronouns us and our are plural. Okay, us and our. So it's a proper prayer for the head of a household to pray for the family. So I can see a dad praying this prayer. I can see a mother praying this prayer. I have prayed this prayer. My wife has prayed this prayer. Not exactly maybe in those words, but we lean on Lord, we lean on the Lord for our daily sustenance for the family. Maybe a pastor would pray this for the church, but it's probably more directed for family, for an individual. Give us day by day, our daily bread. Those daily things that it takes to sustain life, us and our. And then the very first word in the statement is the word give. What does give say? Give reminds a family that even though they may have physical health and mental awareness and they're able to hold a job, daily provision comes from God's hand. I get amused sometimes. Men have egos, y'all know that, okay? And by the way, we know that too. That's how God created us. So men have egos and once in a while, you'll talk to a man about, you know, God being the one to give you everything that you have for life. I work for a living. And I always like to respond to that by asking them, uh, 
Who gives you the mental, uh, mental awareness? Who gives you the physical ability to go and work? Who gave you all of that? Truth of the matter is, folks, whether we have physical ability and, if, and health and all that, that's great mental awareness. Everything comes from the good hand of God. Everything. We are dependent on God for all we need to sustain life. You know, give keeps them humble. Give does not mean that they are lazy. Uh, give means that they, they understand it. They may have a wonderful garden, and in order for that garden to produce, they have to work hard. In fact, somebody said the best way to pray is at the work, for a good garden is at the working end of a hoe, and that's probably true. So they got, a, they got a good garden, they've worked hard, they got some sweat equity in that garden, but they realize that every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. They can work hard, but they didn't create the soil in which the plants are bedded. They didn't create the sun that gives the necessary warmth. They didn't create the rain that waters the plants. They didn't create the insects that pollinate the blossoms. All of those things come from the good hand of God, okay? So give doesn't mean they're begging and they're lazy and all that, but they just mean they understand that even though they may work hard, it all comes from God. And day by day, means that they carried this dependence on God every day of their life, day by day. So God, you sustained us yesterday, but that's not good enough for today. We need sustained today. And tomorrow we'll need sustained. And the next day we'll need sustained. They may have, they may have goals and plans that are out there. You know, they won't be realized for decades, but those goals and plans they can concern the house, they can concern children, career, accomplishments, marriage, acquirements in life. But if any or all of those goals are realized, it has to happen as it takes place day by day. Day by day, one day at a time. So that's the interpretation of what Jesus taught them to pray in the prayer here. All right, so now let me make application for all of us in the room. How do you build a solid Christian life experience. How do you do that? Simple answer, you do it one day at a time. You do it day by day by day. It's not wrong to set goals. It's not wrong to have benchmarks. I was just talking to one of the younger adult men in our church and he and his wife have three or four children and they're getting start, you know, they've gotten started in life. And he was talking to me about some of the goals that he and his wife had set and I was impressed that you know, they had set some financial goals for their family personally to realize, but every time they reached a benchmark, they did something for the work of the Lord because they realized everything they get comes from God's hand. I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty mature to be honest with you. Really smart, okay? You can set goals, nothing wrong with that. You can set benchmarks for everything, everything in your life, but you're not gonna reach those goals or those benchmarks in one giant leap. You're not gonna reach them in even two, three, two or three giant leaps. You're gonna reach those goals and those benchmarks as you live for Christ day by day. Now let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Do you desire to acquire a solid knowledge of God's word? I mean where, where you don't, you'll, you, you can't exhaust this book. You can read it for years. My father-in-law is 89. I can't tell you how many times he, he read the, he read the, he's 89. He read the Bible the other day for four hours. He reads through the Bible, I don't know how many times in a year. 
And we were talking about something, we, and it, you know, it, was, it wasn't that earth shattering. We were talking about the physical size of the kingdom of Israel and did they ever realize all the land that God gave them because God gave them from the Nile to the Euphrates, okay? And we were sitting there talking. We love to talk Bible together and, uh, you know, trying to figure out did they ever realize all the land that God gave them. And we left the house and we're driving here to Kansas yesterday and the phone rings and it's dad. And I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking we left something behind. And he says, Terry, I just read something in the Bible. I've never seen it before. And it concerned David's kingdom and the Euphrates River. That's this book. It's inexhaustible. There's no end to it. It's alive. It's relative for today. It never grows old. You can read it a thousand times over and over and over and over. And there's always something new coming from its pages. Not new in the way of truth, but something new to us. Some new, some, some new, uh, enlightenment. But if ladies, I'm talking about having a solid knowledge of the word of God where, like the Bible says in 1 Timothy, when you get older, you can teach the younger. You want to acquire that kind of Bible knowledge, you don't do that in one giant leap. You do that day by day, day by day. Just talk to a lady this morning at the book table who didn't even own a Bible, I think she said, until this year, had never read it. And I know that there may be some of you other folks here in the room, maybe ladies, you're new Christians and getting started, like I said last night, getting started into church and just this, thing, this thing's all new to you and you get around people who, and even pastors say, you know the story and you're thinking to yourself, no, I don't know the story, okay? And you say, well, I don't wanna be like that someday. You know how you get there? You get there day by day, day by day. That's how you acquire a Bible knowledge. You read a little bit of God's word, a portion of it, every day, day by day, day by day, day by day. And you know what? After a while, you'll know what he's talking about when he says you know the story. That's how you get it, day by day. Do you desire to develop a strong prayer life with your God? It's not gonna happen by praying once this week, maybe twice the next week, and then going without praying for two weeks and then, uh-oh, I gotta catch up again on praying. You'll never develop a strong prayer life with God doing it that way. You do it day by day by day by day by day. And once again, if you are just starting out in the Christian, we have a, we have a, a new couple that's been coming to our church now for a couple months, I guess. And they both have strong, strong salvation. It's interesting because they both grew up in our area. All their life, their families are still in our area. They never came to Faith Baptist Church. I forget how Max got saved. She got saved attending college, Purdue University. She got saved over there. They knew each other in high school. They married. He's in national, the, Arm, the Air Force. He was stationed for eight years down in Georgia. They went to a Southern Baptist Church and then they moved back to Bourbonnet now. They've moved back to our area, their home area. And they went to five churches and they heard nothing, substant, nothing of any substance. And so they come to Faith Baptist and, <laughs> and first service, in the morning service, I pay attention to alcohol a little bit. And uh, after the service, he tells one of our assistant pastors, he says, man, I've been going to church for eight years. I have never heard a pastor say what your pastor said this morning. And Alan said, what? He said, well, that alcohol's wrong. They're not... I'll tell you something, ladies. What's going on in these mega places? Don't ever envy them. <laughs> Nothing substantial is happening there. Zero. 
And it's been a joy to see them just grow. We had a very strong emphasis on prayer for our fall program. One of the things that we did, we asked people to choose a prayer partner, somebody outside of your family, and once a day, call them and don't get into a 30 or 45 minute phone conversation. We had some little prayer prompters, seven requests on a little bookmark, fit in your pocket, and just spend three or four minutes, five, six minutes on the phone together praying. My daughter, my married daughter in the church, was partners with this new lady. And she told me the other, she told Joyce the other day, she said, you know, when we started out praying, her prayer was very shallow. But after 30 days of praying together, she's praying. You know how that happened, ladies? Day by day. That's how it happened. 30 days in a row of praying. Day by day, she has developed a more substantial prayer life. And listen, you think, I just don't have time. I don't have time. Well, first of all, don't say that without really looking at your schedule, okay? But let me just, something jumped out at me, as I, again, as I was reading this book, just for my devotion, something jumped out at me. And I was reading through one of the epistles where Paul said, to the church, I make mention of you in my prayers. Now to me, if I make mention of something, I'm not talking about it for a great length of time. If I make mention of something, it's very short. And so I looked it up in the, in, in, in the, in the concordance and I found these, I think there's four or five places in the New Testament where Paul said either to an individual or to a church, I make mention of you in my prayers. I make mention of you in my prayers. You feel like, you know what? If I can't, if I don't have 10 minutes to pray for this specific person and then 10 more minutes to pray for this person and then 10 more minutes to pray for this person, how am I gonna fit all that in? Sometimes, ladies, it's not 10 minutes. Sometimes it's making mention of them in your prayers. There are times when it's more than just mentioned. There are times when it requires some time given to a specific need. But don't look, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you don't have 45 minutes to pray, pray for four or five minutes. But if you'll do that day by day, by day by day, you will develop a substantial prayer life with the Heavenly Father. Do you desire to win people to Christ? Do you desire to win a great number of people to Christ? You, you know, you can set a big, <coughs> a big goal. I'm not against that. Big benchmark. I want to win this many by this time and this many by this. I'm not against that. But that's probably not going to happen in one big day of Pentecost type experience. You're not going to see that reached in one day. But it could happen as you put some tracks in your purse and, and you keep an eye out as you have opportunity day by day. It tickles me sometimes because in the, the, the mentality of some of our church folks, it's like if it's not Tuesday night or Tuesday morning or Saturday morning, I can't witness to somebody. You know, it's like if you run into somebody at the store and they're saying, you know, can you tell me how to get saved? Well, I tell you what, it's not Tuesday morning, so let me schedule a time with you next, next Tuesday morning and I can, uh, that's a little extreme. But really, it's day by day. It's this person a track. Yeah, but if I give them a track, I don't know that they get saved exactly. You don't know what happens with that gospel track. I got so many stories that I can't get started because I'll never end. 
But a friend of mine, Tim Rule, out in Chico, California, has been there, I think, 30, 30 plus years. His wife is, you know, they both from Ohio. They're not married. His wife is a single young adult lady bussing tables at a restaurant. And, you know, she's waited on, on, on these people at this table. And she goes to, uh, has given the bill. They've paid it and they've left. And she goes to pick up the tip. And the tip is stuck into a track. And she reads that track. And Terry Rule gets saved. And she and her husband have been now pastor, pastor, out there pastoring the church in Chico for over 30 years. You reckon that wait, you reckon that family who left that track on the table even knows? I don't have any idea. You know how you're going to get to your goal? Day by day. Day by day. Do you long to build a close, strong marriage relationship with your husband? You young ladies especially. One that lasts for decades and decades you're not going to accomplish that day by day. It was, a, it was an amazing thing last year. I guess everybody refers to 2020 as COVID year, right? We had seven weddings in COVID year. Seven weddings. Seven girls in our church got married. Some to, a couple of them to boys within the church, two or three. Some to boys outside the church. And we had them all over the place. There was one in South Bend where the boy was from because Indiana had less restrictions. We had one in our church auditorium with a bus girl off of, over this lady's bus route. A bus, she's a delightful lady. And there was, I think, 10 people. 10 people at a wedding. We had two in our gymnasium. We had three in a rented church in Kentland, Indiana, across the border where we could be free. I'm not kidding when I say that. And, 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 you know, and, not, and some of those, like three of them already, maybe more, are either expecting babies, they've already had babies. None of those seven couples have a strong marriage yet. But they can have one. And you know how they can get it? Day by day. Day by day, that's how it happens. If they will give themselves to the Lord and each other unselfishly day by day, their marriage will eventually be strong. Okay, do you, do you desire to rear godly children? Do you desire, and ladies, please, we can't just have good kids. We gotta have godly kids, okay? Gotta have godly kids. Do you desire to rear godly children? I'm talking about young men, young women with character, educated, and have a good work ethic. They're respectful. They're humble. You can set goals and benchmarks for them to achieve by certain dates, and those are fine, but none of those will be realized in one single leap. They're going to be realized as those kids are taught and trained day by day by day. And on and on I could go with all kinds of examples in, in the Christian life. But in the word of God, God makes it clear that life is lived day by day. One day, do you ever stop to realize that all of God's creation took place one day at a time? Day after day after day after day for six days, God created everything. Beginning with the heaven, God created the heaven and the earth. Six days, day by day, he created it. So that's how Christian life is lived. Will you allow me some grace just to be a bit personal for a few minutes, okay? Um, I teach at a Bible college, Brother Gomez's Bible college. I've taught there since it was open. And it is not unusual to have a young man, you know, Brother Angel, can I talk to you? Sure. And if I'm not his pastor, I'm not going to counsel. Listen to what he says. If it's that type of stuff, go see your pastor. But sometimes you just want to bounce something off of you. 
And it's almost like, it's almost like how did you get to where you are? Does that make sense to you, ladies? And here's this. What's the secret? There are no secrets. There are no shortcuts. There are no secrets. How do you, how do you build a, a married life of 42 years? That neither of us would claim was perfect. But we've never, we've never thrown the word divorce at each other. Ever. And we're having the time of our life. The kids are grown. They're married. They, they, got, they, they get their college. They're, they're doing the Lord's work. And we're, how, how do you do that? How does that happen? You don't, you don't do it in one leap. You do it day by day. Day by day. How do you stay in the gospel ministry for over 40 years? You don't do that in one great jump. You do it day by day. How do you pastor one church for over 30 years? You do it day by day. How, how did Faith Baptist, and please, please, I, I am not boasting. I cannot boast in front of him and have his blessing, and I would not boast in front of you. I'm just testifying. How did Faith Baptist Church become the church it is today? It was, we're privileged to support over about 235 missionaries. The buildings and the property are paid for. We have young people sent out here in America and are on the mission field to serve the Lord full time. We have some churches started in our home state that are pastored by, we have nine men that either were brought up in our church or have come through our church that are now pastoring churches, either here in America or on the foreign field. We got a solid educational ministry at Faith Baptist Academy. All of that because of God's grace, I get it. But you know how that happens? It didn't happen the first year. It didn't happen the seventh year. It didn't happen in a decade. It happens day by day by day by day by day, one day at a time, surrendering myself to Christ anew, afresh, submitting myself to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, one day at a time. Ladies, that's how it happens, day by day, day by day. And that's encouraging encouraging one day at a time. Now let me give you a couple of brief thoughts on this and we'll wrap it up. Number one, our lives do not have to be defined by our mistakes. Our lives do not have to be defined by our mistakes. Why? Because we're living day by day. Have you ever had a bad day? Are you married? You ever had a bad day? Terry Martin, did I hear you laugh the loudest back there? I think I did. You ever had a bad day? I'm talking about when you spoke ill to your husband and this, the day started with you snapping at one of the kids and the, kids went to the, the kid went to the sibling and said, hey, don't mess up today. <laughs> Stay away from mom today. <laughs> If you work, you know, your coworkers, they don't say anything to you all day. They don't ask anything from you all day because word's kind of getting around. Even the pets are socially distancing from you, amen? <laughs> Ever had a bad day? Isn't it good to know 
But since you're living day by day, you don't have to have two. The two don't have to be four. The four doesn't have to turn into a whole week. It's wonderful to know that I can request forgiveness and I can receive forgiveness from our kind and gracious Heavenly Father. And by the way, ladies, those are two different things. And I don't know why I'm saying this because it's really, it's really not in the notes. Those are two different things, to request forgiveness and to receive it. Because some people just, they, you know, it's, it is funny because what do we do at salvation? We, re, we request the Lord Jesus to forgive us and save us, right? And then we say, man, I'm saved. We receive it. But then after we're saved, we have a bad day. We yell, we lose our temper. I know how men do it. I'm not sure how ladies do it. I could tell you how my wife, no, I'm just teasing, all right? <laughs> so then we ask for forgiveness and then live under the cloud of, and live under the cloud of unforgiveness. Why? My wife says I have an uncanny ability to do this. She says, I've never seen anybody ask for forgiveness and then move on. Well, why not? If you ask it and God grants it, receive it. Receive it. And don't live under the dark cloud of unforgiveness when you've asked him for forgiveness. If we, conf if, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So receive it. And receive it. It's wonderful to know. We can request it. We can receive it. And one bad day does not have to become two bad days. And two doesn't have to become four. And four doesn't have to become the whole week. Because well, I'm living day by day. And one bad day does not have to define my life. John Mark quit. Right? You know the story. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, like most of you. If you don't, ask somebody on the way home, okay? John Mark, he quits near the beginning of a missionary journey. He's on the journey with the Apostle Paul, Uncle Barnabas, and he quits and he returns home and they finish the journey alone. They get back to home and they stay there for a while. Now they're ready to go out on the second missionary journey or the third, I think it's the second. And Barnabas says, great, I'll get John Mark ready to go. And Paul says, he's not going. Barnabas says, he's my nephew, he's going. Paul says, he quit, he's not going. And the contention was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas that they parted ways, right? He took John, Barnabas took John Mark, Paul took Silas, and away they go. Mark had a bad day. He had a bad day. But when you get to the end of Paul's life, he writes to, to that second letter to Timothy and he says, take Mark and bring him with thee for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Timothy, before you come to see me, run by and, run by and get Mark. This is the guy you didn't want to go on the journey with. This is the man you split from your friend Barnabas because he wanted to take Mark. And now you're asking for Mark you see what happened, ladies? Mark had a bad day, but one bad day did not have to define Mark's life. Since life is lived day by day, Mark could put enough good days uh, you know, in a row, put them in a row together, that the bad day became a distant memory. 
And that's how, that's how it needs to happen for you and me when we have that bad day. It doesn't have to define our life. We can, we can live the next day and the next day and the next three week days and the next month days. We can live good days where that bad day becomes a distance. I don't have to have one bad day to define my whole life because I live day by day. Now, as a pastor, there's probably nothing more rewarding than a, a, you know, a, a baby being born to a couple in your church or some child, little child in your church who grows up and you know, does right, gets saved, lives for God, honors their dad and mom, serves the Lord, never causes any trouble, you never have them in the office for a problem or an issue, and you know, they get married and it's just the sweetest thing in the world for something like that. And I receive great joy from that. But I'm going to be transparent with you. That's one, let me tell you what 1A is. 1A is seeing a young adult who's serving God, living for God, blessed of God, and I know they had a bad day because I had to deal with it. They had a bad day, but they got it fixed. And they put so many good days back to 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 back. And when I stand on the platform and look out across that crowd on Sundays, mornings, or evenings and see that person sitting out there, I don't think about that bad day. I rejoice and what God's done with their life. One bad day does not have to define your life. So maybe you had a bad day before you came to the meeting yesterday. Maybe you'll have a bad day tomorrow. But we live day by day. One bad day doesn't become two. We get our heart right, we get it fixed, and we live day by day. Okay, one bad day does not have to define your life. Number two, and I'm done with this. I don't, you don't have any clocks in here. <laughs> That's Brother Vineyard. Terry, we don't have clocks on the wall. We have a calendar. Every so often, one of the ushers goes by and turns the page. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I think I'm on time here. All right, number two, great blessings are encountered in living day by day. Great blessings are encountered in living day by day. You know what, ladies, this is, this is just fluff. But if you set a goal or a benchmark and you could get there in one giant leap, okay, amen. But you know what you would miss? You would miss all the blessings that go with getting there one day at a time. One day at a time. You know who I think about when I think about this? I think about Ruth. And I want to end with her this morning for a specific reason. But Ruth, the Moabite girl, she returns with her Jewish mother-in-law, Naomi. You know the story, maybe not. <laughs> to Bethlehem, Judah, after both of them lost their husbands in death. And Ruth, those great words, I will not leave thee. I'm going to go with you. Your God be my God. Your people, my people. Where you lodge, I'll lodge you, you know. So they get, back to, they get back to Bethlehem, Judah, and 
Is that Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Empty. Your husband preached a message. I was with him at a family conference. I've never forgotten it. Ruth said, I went out full and I came home empty. And Brother Hanks preached on what's full. Well, she had a wife. She had a husband. Boy, it's bad to say today. I mean, she had a husband. <laughs> she had children. She had a place to live. Ladies, don't get caught trying to keep up with the Joneses, especially today. Okay? Especially today. There are teenage young girls in here. There are teenage ladies in here. There are, aren't there? Can I say something to the teenage ladies just for a brief minute here? Listen carefully. Please don't judge your dad by the kind of car he drives compared to how the cars that everybody else in the church drives. But man, I see these kids. Their dad all has a nice car, a nice pickup, and we're driving this old sedan. And Look, you rejoice in the dad you've been given. And thank God for him. He may, he, may, he may have far more intangibles that you don't ever see, okay? So Ruth, Naomi goes at full. She comes home empty. She's got this daughter-in-law with her. She's a Moabite girl in Bethlehem, Judah. You know what she is? She's a stranger. She's a foreigner. Naomi has nothing, nothing. But as a foreigner, God has made provision for Ruth. Because in his law, he told all those Jewish landowners, when you harvest your crops, don't go into the corners. Tell that to a farmer today. <laughs> and her dad was one, okay. Don't go into the corners. When you, when you, when you uh, get the olives off the tree, you know, get the main harvest, and then don't just, there's, there's six olives way up there. Don't do that. Don't shake the tree. Don't go back over the grapevine and look for every little grape that's on there. When you've, you've gotten the first fruits, you've gotten the main harvest, you leave the gleanings for the stranger. You leave the gleanings for the foreigner. That's what Ruth is. So she wakes up that morning and she understands, learned Jewish culture from somebody. And uh, now, where are you going, Ruth? I'm going to glean. And so she goes with a sack and her hap, her hap was to light. She didn't know who field, whose field it was. She saw a field. She didn't know it was Boaz. She just saw a field. Hey, the corners of that field have not been harvested. And I see some fallen grain out there. So she's out there and she's doing her, doing her work. And, and here comes Boaz riding in. And, and who is that damsel over there? Oh, that's the Moabite girl. I've heard about her. And there's so much there's so much can be preached, and your pastor probably has on what he said to her. Don't 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 leave. Stay right here. Stay right here. Don't go anywhere else. Come up and enjoy some food and drink from the same place the servants are getting theirs. I appreciate you what you've done for Naomi. And then he goes back to his servants, and he says, "Leave her alone." 
and throw down some, some, some of the handfuls of purpose for her. Whoa, stop, think. So it, it, they must have understood what it meant, right? Okay, we get it. Because that's what they did. Maybe in the goodness of their heart, they, they left the corners of the field to be gleaned, but they knew who was coming behind. The widows were coming to glean. The, the strangers were coming to glean. The fatherless were coming to glean. And so, you know, once in a while, instead of just leaving what's in the corners, they took a great big handful of, of harvested grain and just kind of threw it down because they knew somebody would be coming by. And here's Ruth. And she sees that. I can see her, you know, she, she looks this way. She looks that way. <laughs> she picks it up. She gets home. Remember what Naomi said? Where have you been gleaning today? What in the world kind of, that's a load. I was in the field of Boaz. No, you're kidding. Can I say something to a group of people I have a great burden for? That's the young adult ladies who live right, honor their moms and dads, have expectations of finding a husband, 21, 22, getting married, but it hasn't worked out like that. We have them in our church, every church I go to. The story is repeated all over this nation. And you young ladies have a goal, a desire to get married. That's natural, that's normal, that's God-given, that's good, that's right. Don't try to get there in one leap, even for where you are right now. I'm desperate. Life's passing me by. I've got to get married, not to the wrong man. What do I do? Live for God. Honor God today. And honor him tomorrow. And honor him the next day. And the next day. And just day by day live your life. But more than likely, one of these days, you're happy. You're happy be to fall in the field of your Boaz. Don't you get desperate and get ahead of God and decide to jump from where you are now to where you want to be in one giant leap. You will. I, I know you don't believe me, but it's better to want something you don't have than to have something you don't want. It's day by day. That's a burden on my heart. Is that not a burden? We talk, we talk about this often. It's a prayer request. God, please, bring Boaz into this young lady's life. You see, ladies, honestly, honestly in, 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 in every area, 
You take anything I've talked about. Take her dad. He's read that book, like I said, he, yesterday. I just saw, think about it. Think, if he had learned everything in one giant leap, he would have missed the fun that he had yesterday to call and say, I just saw this. That's what happens when you live day by day. Day by day. So don't get ahead of God. I, um, one Saturday, probably 30 years ago now, maybe 29, just trying to live for God, just trying to obey the Lord Saturday morning. At the, in, that, at the, in, in that day, I was a bus captain and a pastor. And so I had a bus route and I visited every Saturday down in Kankakee. And I was walking down an alley, just walking down an alley. And here's this black lady with some children in the backyard, three, two boys and a girl. Hey, you're the church man, aren't you? Yes, ma'am, I'm the church man. You see our bus come by? Yes, we started talking. She said, I said, will the kids ride the bus? Oh, yeah, I'd like for them to ride. And Larry and Nicole and Gerald got on the bus. Larry was 11 years of age. Now he's 41. He's married. His wife teaches in our school. She is from Malawi. No, she's not from Mozambique. She told me she's a pastor. It's not Mozambique, Malawi. Okay. She knows where she's from better than I do, okay? <laughs> I think it's Malawi. One of those M's. Anyway, do y'all know? No. Got two kids. Oh, oh, that oldest boy, one pound, nine ounces. Fit in your hand. The fine kid stands up there in the teen choir and sings his lungs out. Teaches one of our, his dad teaches one of our adult Sunday school classes. Faithful man, loves God, preaches once in a while for me when I'm gone. Does a great job preaching. How'd that happen? Day by day. Just day by day. You want to be able to have a testimony to tell. You want to be able to share God's, how God's blessed your life. But tell you how it's going to happen, ladies. Over the long haul, it's going to happen day by day. Day by day. Just start every day. If you have one bad day, that does not have to define the rest of your life. And then when you live day by day, once in a while you get a handful on purpose. Whew. I love those handfuls on purpose. My, my, my. It's a wonderful privilege to live for God, isn't it? Day by day. Father in heaven, thank you for this meeting. Thank you for this group of ladies. I pray and hope, Lord, that something has been said in the last 24 hours that, less than that actually, that will ring true in their hearts and they'll be able to take it home, put it to practice. Thank you for eternal truth that we can live by the rest of our lives. I pray, God, that you'll bless this meeting with, eternal, with eternal, eternal good. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.